0: and I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness truth and hope this is PRN pause renew next hello friends and welcome back to our attachment series I'm so glad that you're joining me here today. Believe it or not, after all these weeks of talking about attachment, these last couple of episodes I think may be the most important of all, because this week and next week, we're talking about attachment to God. But before we begin today's episode, I just want to stop us and do a little bit of slow down together. So wherever you are, I invite you just to take a few deep breaths with me to center ourselves, to get ready and prepared. Take a deep, deep breath, inhale. Hold it for a minute deep in your belly, and then exhale slowly through your mouth. And again, inhale, and exhale. And one more time. Inhale. And exhale. Now today's episode about secure attachment with God is actually gonna be pretty laid back. I haven't written out exactly what I wanted to say. I'm thinking of it more like a fireside chat or maybe if we wanna bring it into this century, living room, talk with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, make yourself comfortable. I'm really just wanting to share with you some of the things that I've thought about, some of the things that I've considered, some of the things that I've read and listened to when it comes to our relationship with the Lord and how attachment might work into that. And to do that, I want to first begin by talking about how exactly could we be attached to someone that we can't even see? Crispin Mayfield has written a great book called Attached to God. We're going to be talking more about that in next week's episode, but he also has a podcast that he named Attached to the Invisible, and I think that that is a beautiful and accurate way of starting today's episode. What does it mean to be attached to the invisible? Up until this point, we've been talking about attachment research, and usually that's with our primary caregivers. But when it comes to God, we're going to expand that view just a little bit, which I don't think is outside of the realm of possibility. And actually, I think maybe a really great lens for looking at the gospel. I think across time, the Holy Spirit has made the gospel relevant to every generation. And now, with the lens of attachment, I think the gospel could be seen through that lens in a really beautiful way. And that's what I want to talk about today. Looking through the lens of Christianity, Through the scriptures specifically, I think we see a God who made man in his image. And he uses human analogies throughout his word to describe what he is doing here on earth. One of those ways is through families, which he set up in the very beginning. And if he made man in his image, then I think a lot of that attachment stuff that happens with our primary caregivers, we can also see based in our relationship With our Heavenly Father. So let's start by talking about the Trinity, because those three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, have some very, very, very good attunement with one another. If you'll remember back from us talking about secure attachment a few weeks ago, there are some things that ring true always in secure attachment, and that is having attunement with one another. Now, you'll remember, 50% of the time at least, we just wanna be a good enough mother, right? But in the case of the Trinity, uh, that, there is never any ruptures. That attunement never ends. They are completely in attunement with one another. In fact, the only time that there's a rupture that we know of is when Jesus is separated to come to earth and die on the cross. And that, friends, is a beautiful picture of love because what that did was open up their relationship to make us a part of it. That was the ultimate repair work, we could say, right? And as we see throughout the Gospels, Jesus is setting up secure attachment with his disciples, with his apostles. Everywhere he goes, basically, he is in attunement with the people around him. He's creating safety. He's seeing people. People are seen by him. He's soothing people. He's healing people. He's bringing people into relationship. But it's hard Maybe to see ourselves in Jesus because, well, we're human, right? We do have ruptures in our relationships (laughs) pretty often. We don't stay in attunement very well. So in that way, then, how can we see secure attachment through the lens of humanity? And to do that, I'm going to use a particular person who shows up in Scripture to talk about secure attachment. And that is David. Why David? Well, first of all, there's a lot of good info on the man. He has many, many, many chapters written about him. We know much of his story from the time he was a teenager to the day he died. We know what his family looked like. We know what his relationships to some extent looked like. We know what his rise to power looked like. And thanks to the Psalms, we know what his relationship with the Lord looked like because we have first-person access to a lot of his prayers which makes him probably the easiest one in all of scripture to talk about. So using what we know about secure attachment, let's look at David and how his relationship with the Lord, I think, I believe, was secure. So in order to have a secure base in our relationship with our caregiver, or in this case, in our relationship with our heavenly father, we need to know that we are safe to come to them in our distress, that we'll be seen, soothed, safe, and secure, that if things are too big for us or too hard, we have a safe place that we can go and that our needs will be heard. Well, we see throughout scripture that David did not hold back when it came to his emotions. He never felt like he needed to keep them to himself or that they would be too much. No, he came to God very vulnerably, sharing all of his distress, asking for help, asking for hope, One of the things I love, love, love about David, and just to be real, I know we can't know his Enneagram, and we really can't research attachment back three or four thousand years ago, but I do think that he probably was in the feeling triad of the Enneagram because he is very in tune with his emotions, but that's what I love about him, and that's what makes his humanity so obvious to all the readers throughout time that have come to the Psalms all across the world throughout many generations, we all can relate to what David is saying. We've all had times that we wept. We've all had times that we felt like our enemies were triumphing. We've all had times that we feel disheartened, afraid. We've had times that we feel angry. And David shares all of that with the Lord. He does not hold back. And he's asking for help. In many of the Psalms, you can see him crying out in his distress. In fact, sometimes he uses those exact words, in my distress. And we know he's soothed because very often if you read through the Psalms, they start out that way, but by the end, we see hope. So he's being heard, and he feels hopeful. He feels comforted. And then on the other side, we know that if we're in a good place, if we have a secure base that we can trust, that we know has our back, that we feel safe to go out and explore. Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich talked about that in the last couple of episodes as well. And we know that David felt that from the Lord because, I mean, that guy had some confidence. He was ready to go out and explore. Not just explore, but conquer, spread, build his kingdom, write songs even. I mean, talk about creative. He had a lot of creativity. He felt compelled even to go out and explore and to make a name, not just for himself, but also for his God. It really makes me remember last year on the podcast, I had Ed Corey on. If you didn't get to listen to that episode, I hope you'll go back and check it out. I think it was last April of 2022. I'll link to it in today's show notes. Ed Corey wrote a book called Becoming a Face of Grace, and in that episode, he talked about receiving grace is like knowing that you're God's favorite, like knowing that you and everybody else are God's favorite. And when we know we're God's favorite, when we know we've received that kind of grace, that we're special, that we're favored, it really gives us a sense of confidence, a a sense of confidence. knowing who we are, a sense of identity, a sense of love that we want to pass on. Like Amy and Jeffrey talked about in the last couple of episodes, it's like we know what delight feels like because we've been delighted in. And I really think that David emanates that. You can see it throughout his life and throughout the Psalms. You've probably noticed that in a lot of these episodes, I've ended with a scripture, most of which have been Psalms. And that was definitely intentional. And today we're going to look at another psalm and talking about David and his life and being able to have a sneak peek, like a preview in a way, of somebody who felt really known, chosen, loved by God. So today I'm going to read the second half of Psalm 143, and I want you to listen for some of those themes that we just talked about. He says, Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. So he's seeking him in his distress. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. To explore, we might say. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. In your unfailing love, he knows that he's loved unfailingly. You know, in attachment research and in Crispin Mayfield's book, Attached to God, he talks about this. There's such a thing called the still face. Let me explain what that is. So babies want to look at their parents' faces. And in their parents' faces, they want to see delight. They want to see comfort. They know that they're the cutest, that they're adorable, that they're loved beyond measure. They want to see that sparkle in their parents' eye. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. You know how little kids are when they're with their parents or when they're doing something they're really proud of. Well, in attachment research, sometimes what they would have these kids and their parents do is that they would say to the parents, no matter what your child does for the next minute or so, I want your face to remain still like a poker face. And immediately those babies notice a change, a shift, in the body language, in the affect of their parents. And no matter what they did for the next minute or two, they couldn't get a response. And it created a lot of distress, like true, researchable distress. Because no matter what they did, whether they smiled, whether they cooed, whether they laughed, whether they cried, whether they waved, whether they threw things, their parents showed them nothing. No anger, but certainly no delight. Just nothing. And truly, there is almost nothing worse than the still face. All of us, till the day we die, don't want the still face. Now, maybe for you, the still face happened in your relationship with your parents when you did something that they disapproved of. Maybe in the form of the silent treatment, we might say, or a little passive aggressiveness, or being put in time out where you couldn't see their face. Whatever it was, the message was clear. I can't be with you right now. I'm disapproving of you. I'm not giving you my attention. I'm not giving you my eye contact. One of the things I think that happens in our relationship with the Lord is that the worst of all things is to be afraid that maybe we've got the still face. Because if you can't see his face, then how do you know what it's doing in relation to you? I have talked to enough people in my office and been in church long enough to know that I think there are a lot of people who really carry shame, carry fear, that they're walking on a tightrope of God's will, and if they make the wrong step, they've fallen out. Maybe they're going to get the still face from Him. Or maybe they've gone a step too far, and they're unredeemable. Or maybe they haven't done enough good to earn favor, maybe, or delight. Or maybe when you're doing all the right things, you feel that delight. But the minute that you stop, now you got the still face. You know, if I could give you any gift in this entire series, it would be to erase the still face from your mind. Because not only does the Lord not have a still face towards you, but he says in his word, not once, but many times the opposite. If we can't see with our eyes his face, we can believe his words. So let's look at one of the first places that he shares about his face towards you. And that is in the Psalms, Psalm 67. Psalm 67, 1. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. Smile with favor. If it hasn't felt that way in a long time, I encourage you this week to dwell on that verse. To imagine in your mind the face, his face, smiling at you with delight, with joy. He's your dad, Abba Father, and he loves you. If you can't do that, picture somebody else in your life and how much they love you Feel that delight deep, deep in your soul. And then imagine what it would be like if you felt that from your Heavenly Father as well. And next week, we're going to do some more exercises as well. If it feels like maybe you've been struggling with some insecure attachment with your relationship with God. But before that, I want to leave you with a benediction that probably sounds familiar if you've been listening to this podcast very long. It goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But now, friends, in the New Living Translation, I want you to hear that same thing and notice what it says specifically. May the Lord bless you and protect you in your distress. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May you feel his delight. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace so that you are free to go out and explore. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And may you know, friend, that his face is not still towards you, It never has been, and it never will be. Now, as you remember from last week's episode, as Jeffrey Ulrich says, we are never stuck insecure, you guys. We can move back and forth from secure to insecure, from secure to insecure. And in a way, we kind of see that in David and the Psalms as well. There are times that we feel more secure than others. But if you find that over time, your attachment with the Lord feels, not like a safe place to land, maybe a little more insecure, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety or distance there, then I hope you'll join me next week as we talk about insecure attachment styles and also how we can begin to heal and move closer to that secure zone. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.